We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And this episode's brought to you by betonline.ag and on Tuckett. But, Jack, how are we doing? Suck on a cable, hoops. <laughs> that's that's for our guy, Corey Waldron, my co-host of the NBA Outlet, big part of OTG. Finally, the Nets were able to beat the Pacers tonight, 106-105. Before we get into it, though, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Nick, how did the Nets get this one done? I was looking at my phone every now and then when I got a, got a moment in the classroom. I probably shouldn't be saying that. My teaching partner is probably about two meters away from me. But we did, we did somehow pull this one out. How is it possible? I mean, the Nets really played well in this game other than shooting, and that's what Kenny kind of referenced post-game. You know, rebounding-wise, out-rebounded the Pacers 53-40, to 40, had 14 offensive rebounds. Pacers only had six, you know, only 10 turnovers, got a couple steals, a couple blocks. I thought they played pretty good defense. You know, Pacers shot 7-30 from three. 48% from the field isn't great, but they didn't let the Pacers get to the free-throw line, only 11 attempts. So I thought it was a really good performance from the Nets team, and it would have been even better if they were able to hit a lot of open shots, which they just missed. Yeah, I mean, they did get to the line quite a bit as well. It was sort of a, a battle of styles. And for once, you know, the last time I saw a Pacers game against the Nets was earlier this year with you and Corey, and it was nice to actually pull one back on them. The Pacers have been struggling a little bit of late. So this was a, a really nice win. And you could see that there was confidence from the Toronto Raptors game despite the loss. And obviously that last play, you know, we'll certainly get to that. But I guess it leads me into, Nick, that it's time to actually get to our betonline.ag star performer of the night, your online sportsbook expert. Make sure 
using that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word for a 50% welcome bonus. Before I get your star performer of the night, Nick, I've got to get to some of our, our Twitter followers and our listeners. Joseph Cardboard at Joe F said, it's a little under the radar because of Joe Harris and the Dinwiddie heroics, but the late Harris three is what put the Nets in the position for the win. Can't touch those Joey Buckets, though. What do you got to tell me about Joey? Well, I could tell you a lot about Joey Buckets, but that Harris three, <laughs> key timing, Big moment. His three ball has been looking nice lately. Yeah, he's actually close to shooting 40% on the season. So that's pretty impressive. I'd probably go down after this game, probably closer to 38%. But big three from Karras. And we've seen this in the past where he's not knocking down his shots, but come fourth quarter when the Nets need a big one, he'll hit it. And Joe Harris, I believe, had like a little 5-0 run on his own. One nice little up and under layup. And then he hit a big three in this game, which gave the Nets the lead late. You know, Pacers responded, hit a shot on the other end. And then after that, we saw Spence hit the game winner. Joey Biceps, I'm going to be thinking about that for a very, very... (laughs) It's been that GIF, that video has all been added to my OnlyFans account. Make sure you guys (laughs) check that one out. You know, Joe Harris, it's it's some really niche content for for all the listeners out there. But Joe Harris, oh boy, oh boy, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. We've also got D-Rock, a a really loyal listener, Nick. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on... He went with DeAndre Jordan against the physical star power forward, DeMontis Sabonis. He held us down, gave us valuable production, defense win games, and that trap at the end sealed the game. I think he... I'm, I'm, you would probably know this maybe a little bit better than me. I was scrolling through Twitter. Does he have the most double-doubles of a guy off the bench this year? Or, or like since 2000 or something like that? I do not know. I didn't see any stat about it. I wouldn't be surprised. The only guy that would come to mind would be like Montrez Harrell. You know, yeah. like getting a lot of double-doubles off the bench. But, you know, DeAndre was big in this game. Kenny elected to play him, I believe, the entire fourth quarter, which in my eyes is just kind of crazy not to give a player of DeAndre's age a little bit of rest. But he had some big moments, especially rebounding-wise. He was just a solid presence down low, especially against the bonus. There were still issues late where, you know, he missed a couple rotations because he just wasn't quick enough, and we maybe would have liked to see Jared Allen. But I think where DeAndre is at in his career, this was a good performance for him. Oh, yeah, big time. And uh, I think that obviously he can frustrate the heck out of you in, in so many different ways. But, you know, even when he, he's making free throws and he's missing free throws and he's still getting high fives from Indiana, Indiana Pacer blokes, you know, he, he's clearly doing something. I don't know what Jeremy Lamb's looking at, but um, hey, I'll take it. Yeah, and they were laughing about it like fourth quarter too. So I don't know. You know DeAndre, he's always trying to get a laugh at anybody. I mean, you know, Carlos Levert was certainly having a laugh as well when they were doing the Kyrie Irving chance for him. Is he going to get traded? Because Karis doesn't, apparently Kyrie Irving doesn't like Karis Levert, Nick. Kyrie hates Karis Levert. <laughs> I mean, and I was like, out of all people on the team, it was like somebody he named and like he has a relationship with Karis. If you said it to like Jared Allen, Torian Prince, or Joe Harris, like one of the three guys not mentioned in that, you know, famous quote we heard, what, a month ago? Like, yeah, maybe that makes sense. But you saw Karis, he just laughed it off. Yeah, Karras is, um, Karras is a guy that's certainly not going to let that get to him, and he's been playing some great basketball of late. wasn't amazing tonight, but we've got to get to the star performer, Nicholas. The guy who hit that clutch bucket, Spencer Dinwiddie, talk me through that play. Yeah, I mean, Spence, you know, he got the ISO. Kenny elected to take the timeout in this game, and we didn't do our podcast after the Raptors game. I was traveling, you know, didn't have a chance to do it, but I really wanted Kenny to take a timeout in that game, set up a play, and we saw he didn't do that, and it led to the Nets getting the loss and not getting a great possession at the end of the game. Tonight, he took the timeout, set up an ISO for Spencer. He had the one-on-one, had the step-back mid-range shot like there, and you know, it's not typically a shot Spence takes, but we know he has that clutch gene, knocked it down, felt great about it and then a nice defensive effort on the other end of the court from all the full team yeah it was i mean it's almost like that you'd love seeing it nick because 
one, it was disjointed, it was mismatched in, in the Raptors' performance, and Karras just got swarmed, and we know how good the Raptors' defense is. The, the Pacers have a really good defense of their own as well. But to, to be able to get him his, his own shot, you know, he's done it before. I think the Cleveland game comes to mind last year as, as a similar sort of performance. You know, for me, Spencer didn't when he stepped up when he the big moment came. And, you know, this game, and obviously he was great with another 2010 game for him. You know, the, I've, I've already started a little bit of a video breakdown for him, and just the, the chemistry that he's got I think he's one of the better alley-oop passes in the league right now you know we get Lob City left right and center from Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan he makes our centers look incredibly good on the offensive end yeah he has a really good feel for that pass and one thing I think he's done this season a little bit more than previous seasons he's throwing it at different angles where it's not necessarily the same thing where he needs to go like straight up we've seen him kind of do it from the side throw like a little bit of a scoop oop and that's kind of worked for DeAndre, especially because he's so big. They're starting to get that chemistry down. Obviously, him and Jared Allen being good friends off the court obviously helps. So, Nick, there we have it. Spencer Dimwini, the Bet Online AG star player of the game. Remember to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, Nick, though, I was right in saying that he has not, he had his seventh double double off the bench this season, which is the most double doubles off the bench for a net in a season since Jamie Fike, I hope I'm saying that right, in 1999-2000. That's via Nets Republic and the Nets PR. So DeAndre Jordan is continuing to rebound at an incredibly high rate. And what did you think, in terms of the Nets out-rebounding the front court of DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner, Nick, who was the better Nets performer? Like, was Torian Prince's ability to hit the three ball taking DeMontis Sabonis out of the paint? Was it DeAndre Jordan, you know, rebounding like an absolute man-man? Was it Jared Allen with his, his flexibility and, and his athleticism? Tell me about the, the four and the five positions for the Nets tonight. Yeah, I think early on, Torian Prince did a great job of trying to get Sabonis out of the paint. And, you know, he hit a couple early threes, and then the Pacers kind of react to that. You know, Jared Allen struggled at certain points against Sabonis. He's just a lot physically stronger than him. But I thought Jared did a good job of being active in other areas. You know, he had three offensive rebounds, was continuing trying to fight on the boards. He had a couple blocks there, and also caught a couple oops, a couple finishes inside. I thought Jared wasn't bad. Like, I think people overreact and be like, because the few plays that stick out, you know, Sabonis putting his shoulder in Jared Allen's chest, getting that position, getting the layup, especially early on. But, you know, I thought as the game progressed, it wasn't as apparent. I thought he played him a little bit better too. Yeah, I think that you know, obviously the the negative plays on, on if we quote unquote stick out a little bit more because it is Jared Allen, and you know, if it were to happen against like a Rudigo Bear, we'd be less likely to see it because he has that much. You know, you know, we saw Nikola Jokic back him down and, and hit this weird fadeaway. We've seen Russell Westbrook cradle rock you know Rudigo Bear as well. So it happens to the best of us, and I, I think that. Despite the fact that DeAndre Jordan played 28 minutes tonight, Jared Allen played 20. Would you have wanted to see that flipped, Nick? Would you want to see it a little bit closer together? Was it just DeAndre's rebounding and physicality that earned him, you know, the court time? Yeah, I think if Kenny wanted to play DeAndre to close the game, that's fine with me. Like, I thought there was some advantages to playing him in this game. And, you know, at certain points it did work. But I think, like, you ultimately need to sub Jared Allen in at some point in that fourth quarter to let DeAndre get rest. Like, he's just not a player that I think can play the entire quarter, you know, and play those big minutes mostly in the second half type of thing where you want to get him rest and keep him fresh. Because, like I said, there's a couple possessions late where the Pacers essentially just ran pick and roll with Brogdon and Sabonis. And, you know, DeAndre would step to Brogdon. Sabonis would kind of slip behind him, and he didn't have the recovery time to get there and contest a shot. 
yeah, DJ in a pick and roll defense is uh, is always going to be certainly a little bit tricky for him to sort of get back there, whereas Jared Allen has at least... But again, also, it is the Nets' defensive scheme in terms of how they... the shots that they want to give up in in that regard as well. But, Nick, tell me a little bit about your boy, Kalsabert, tonight. Did have 33 minutes, you know, did have six turnovers. Was he forcing things a little bit too much? He still was impacting the game, obviously. Still had two steals and also had a block as well. Yeah, I thought it wasn't as bad as the box score looks for Karras. You know, some of those plays were just miscommunications with teammates. There was one play where, you know, TLC probably was supposed to be there, ended up being out of bounds, or he wasn't really paying attention. It was a no-look pass. So that type of thing is going to happen. I think with the second units, you notice some of the more of the turnovers. And I think, like, a lot of the issues came with Karras when he has to play with this lineup of Wilson Chandler, TLC, Garrett Temple, and DeAndre Jordan because it just puts so much pressure on him to be the scorer. And there's limited spacing in that lineup because depending on the night, Wilson Chandler's not knocking down threes. Garrett Temple's kind of inconsistent. And TLC, this isn't necessarily a knockdown three-point shooter. So I think it puts a little bit of pressure on him, and that's where he has his issues. But overall, he got to his spots. He just missed a lot of shots he's been making over the last three games. Would you start him, Nick? It seems to be the probably the hot topic on that's Twitter right now. Obviously, Coach Kenny is still confused as what to do. I've seen plenty of you know pretty smart people on that's Twitter sort of saying it's not that hard. Let's just put Spencer in that six-man role. He knows what to do. Karis Avert starting when Kyrie comes back. Obviously, there is still some time to figure it out for Coach Kenny, but is it as simple as that? Karis back to the starting lineup, Spencer back to the six-man? Yeah, I think it probably is because I think Karras has shown these flashes defensively. He's also shown, you know, the bad end of these flashes, inconsistencies defensively, getting caught on a couple screens. But there are just some of these flash plays defensively where, like, we need this in the starting lineup, especially next to a guy like Kyrie Irving. We can have that length with Karras. Not to say that Spencer's a terrible defender or anything like that, but I think Karras just has a higher ceiling defensively. And like we know, Spencer has been elite in that six-man role. You know, he has been in, you know, a candidate for six-man of the year before. So I have no issue in going to the bench. And like you mentioned before, his relationship with DeAndre Jordan, that chemistry they have on the oop, yeah. I think is a little bit better than what he has with Karras. Because Karras is more so the wraparound guy. And it seems like DeAndre just has a little bit more trouble with those passes because the ball ends up being low defense can get their hands in there swat at the ball or just like his hands don't always catch it clean Spencer did when he was a more natural floor general. He's just yes. a more natural point guard, whereas Carol Savert is a hybrid utility floor general. He has, he obviously can play like a point guard, but he's not as natural in that regard. He has chemistry with little guys here and there, but, you know, he, he's, he's developed that three ball quite nicely, which is, I guess, probably going to work well if he does, you know, get back to that starting spot with, with, alongside Kyrie Irving. But for me, Spencer just is a bit more seamless, a bit more confident, and I, I think just has more ease with that second unit i mean i would like to see you know lineups of them quite consistently all three of them together experimented throughout the season just to see how it does work because i think a lot of nets fans and probably outside nets fans probably expecting a possible trade if there is a star on the market with a carousel with a carrier with a sorry a spencer dimity likely to be in that package you want to see how those three do work together because if there's nothing on the market you want to see what how to utilize them best together are they going to be able to all three play alongside of kevin durant and we'll get to katie a little bit later but ever seen on tuck button down they look bad why because they weren't meant to be worn that way thankfully there's on tuck it the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untucket shirts always fit at the perfect Untuck length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Myself included, being 6'3", it's extremely difficult to find shirts that fit right. Untucket makes it easy. They also have a ton of styles to choose from, 
wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket shirts, you'll never look baggy, too long, or too big again. And their website's easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit Untucket.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's Untucket.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Nick, this stud uh, by Chris Mull, uh, Chris Mulholland, I think his name is, um, the Brooklyn Nets win over the Pacers was the, it marks the first time this season the Nets have beat a winning team on the road this season. Is that surprising to you at all? Well, I actually heard the stat already, so it's not surprising at the moment. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I heard it initially post-game, I was like, you know, it is somewhat surprising because I felt like they've had some good, you know, games against good teams on the road, but they just haven't capitalized. You know, what comes to mind is that Denver game early on. They were close in that game. The Utah game, they were pretty close. Even this last one against Toronto, they had a chance. So it's like, I don't think they've been a terrible road team where they've, like, get killed every time against these good teams, but... There have been issues closing games, and tonight they were able to get over that hump, especially because they closed the third quarter so bad. And I'm not going to lie, it gave me a negative feel going to the fourth because we've seen this story before. Nets are playing well. They have that seven to nine point lead. Next thing you know, a bad end to the third, and the Nets are going to lose this game. But they stayed on top of it. They kept the game within, you know, two to six points, whatever it was, and then they just hit the big shots at the end. Yeah, I think it was 11 1. 11. Oh, this is going to be the hardest. 11 1 run. Say, say that for me, Nick. See, see how you go with it. 11-1 run. There we okay, go. Okay, maybe it's something to do with the, the Aussie vernacular and the way that our words come out makes it a bit <laughs> tricky for me. But yeah, the, and, and the way the Nets end quarters can be a little bit tricky. You know, I know that there's times where there's some lazy turnovers, a, a real disengagement, and that costs you games. But the, the fact that the Nets were able to put that behind them really close this one out. Uh, before we do get to some other sort of Nets news, Nick, do you think the Pacers lost this more or did the Nets win this more? Who was it on? Who, who do you think deserved the win more? Who do you think snatched it? Was it an easy win? Was it a was it a surprise win? Did the Pacers lose it? Give me your take on the overall performance. You know, I felt like Victor Oladipo in this game, you could tell his legs just aren't there. So it's like okay. playing an injured player, trying to get him back. We know what that's like. You can kind of hamper your team. And I felt like at times he did hamper the Pacers. And also Malcolm Brogdon, in comparison, because you mentioned we went and saw this game live. We saw Brogdon. He was excellent in that game. He looked like an, you know, an all-star level player. He does not look like the same guy. I think health-wise, there's something wrong with him because he does not have any type of burst or, you know, jump. Like, he was not getting up on any of his layups or anything. He was swatted multiple times by Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. So, I think the Pacers are dealing with their own issues, trying to get Oladipo back. But, again, the Nets have their issues. You know, Kyrie Irving's not playing. Kevin Durant is still out. And it's not like they've been playing lights out. So, I think it was a combination of, like, you know, the Pacers having some things wrong, but the Nets had some things wrong. They were just able to make the plays. And I thought they really fought in this game. The free throw line really is something that stuck out, especially with Spencer getting our player of the game. You know, going to the line 15 times. That is just something when you're having a bad shooting night, being able to do that is a difference in a win and a loss. Yeah, 24 of 32 from there. We only sent the paces there 11 times. So Spencer Dimwitty went to the line four more times than the Indiana Pacers as a team. And, you know, a really incredible performance and just showed the purpose that he continues to play the game at. And, you know, he has been incredible for the Nets this season, probably one of the Nets' best players. But, Nick, we'll get to another incredibly important player for this Brooklyn Nets team, and that's Kyrie Irving. Irving was scheduled for a reevaluation on the injury on Sunday. The Nets had communicated. But when he was asked about it, Coach Kenny did say, I mean, he's really evaluated every day. No update. Kenny got a Kenny, Nick. 
Yeah, Kenny's going to Kenny. The Nets are going to net. They don't really care. If... Gonna <laughs> Nick's going to Nick. Jack's going to Jack. <laughs> it's just what's going to happen. You know, they're not going to tell us about injuries, and that's going to be the way it is. You know, there's really nothing about it. I'm not surprised. I mean, if you are surprised at this point, you probably haven't been following the Nets for the last few seasons. Yeah, I mean, uh, you would think, you would hope that they learned something from what happened with the shoulder impingement gate, as we're going <laughs> to coin like it. That. Of 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 late, but if speaking of Jack gonna Jack, Joe, Har- I got tagged in so many so much Joe Harris content today, including the post game quote, Nick, which we have to talk about for at least twenty to thirty minutes. And Joe Harris was saying how you know, the fist bump, the the flex, the the bicep sort of reveal. Uh, his teammates were saying that it is the widest thing that they have ever seen him do. Uh, are the teammates just you know the, the haters gonna hate Nick? The haters gonna hate on my boy Joey buckets. Let him. Show off the guns. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of an awkward fist pump, but we love the enthusiasm. We love the energy. You know, we need to get Joe in the club a little bit more. He missed the miss those Jersey Shore days. Work on his fist pump. (laughs) Oh, were the the Nets the New Jersey Nets back then as well? I believe so, at least for a little bit. I mean, Jersey Shore feels like it's been around for like twenty years at this point, so they it has to be close. DJ Paulie Del Vecchio could could teach uh, Joe Harris a thing or two, but uh, Joe Harris doesn't need anything taught. Nick, also, um, obviously, probably not as massive news, but still a a nice honor for Joe Harris to be named in the USA Basketball 2020 Olympic squad in the the squad of 44. Kevin Durant, obviously, named in there too, as was Kyrie Irving. Nice little honor for our boys uh, to be recognized. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, just to see the possibility of having multiple Nets play for Team USA is something unique that, you know, that we haven't experienced. And I'm not sure if the Nets have ever had multiple players on Team USA before. Obviously, they've had Jason Kidd, Darren Williams, Joe Harris recently, but there's a possibility there could be two or three guys. Yeah, so we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that. No, Joe Harris, if he's not starting, then we ride like we did uh, a few years ago when he didn't make the three-point contest. He'll be defending that title. He'll be winning it with his eye closed. The Mountain Dew shot, you know, give him about four of them. He's going to be nailing every single shot. He's going to be defending that title in Chicago. No doubt about that, Nick. But I reckon we finish the episode with some more Kevin Durant watch, Nick. This might have to become a new Bet Online segment because it seems like every single episode, every few days, we get some more Kevin Durant news. And I'm sh- assuming you've seen the video of my of my boy doing some basketball drills, not just running up and down. I might have watched it 20 times. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was cool to see, you know, and like their basketball moves and like, obviously he's not ready yet to be on the court, but I'm just telling myself watching the video, I'm like, at this point, even where he's at this exact moment, he's already better than every four on the Nets roster. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, that's not saying much, to be fair. But I watched the video from the doctor who sort of breaks down a lot of injuries from NBA players. And, you know, it was quite revealing in a lot of ways. Obviously, the moves that we did see was, you know, he was backing down and exploding off a, off a sort of post move. He stopped on a dime, which is probably one area where you're really going to be testing the sort of lower leg Achilles calf area. And then he also was making making you know a jump shot where he was elevating so in terms of these let's rank i guess the moves nick what was the most impressive move in terms of testing the achilles out for you that you saw kevin Durant do in this ig video yeah i think stopping on the dime is the most important thing especially with an achilles injury because that's when you're putting a lot of pressure you know you're obviously putting some pressure on the jump shot but it's not like he was elevating to like the highest extent so i think running and stopping and making like a cut is the most impressive thing i believe there was like a point where he ran uh, stopped on a dime hit the pump fake and then shot the shot that was pretty impressive because now you're starting to get comfortable back to your basketball moves and getting to things that are just natural to you 
this is the most important part of his rehab right now, Nick. And I think that the video that I did watch, again, I need to look up the guy. I know his name, but it's just, it's, it slipped my memory. A video worth watching for all Nets fans out there in terms of talking about the fact that this now is the crucial part of the rehab process for Kevin Durant. How does he pull up after these sessions? Is he a little bit sore? Is he smooth? We're obviously not going to know that, um, which is a little bit disappointing, but you know, maybe one of Kevin Durant's burners, if someone finds it out there, maybe he's, he's comment tweeting or he's putting stuff on Instagram about it. But this is where we see Kevin Durant possibly suit up for the Brooklyn Nets come towards the end of the season. Maybe he gets a month or two in in March. Maybe we see him back then. It is around that nine-month mark where now you start to see guys come back from these Achilles injuries because... You know, the the doctor did say on the video as well, I'm not sure if he's a doctor or a physio, whatever he might be, that, you know, at around this mark, you are not surprised to see a, a guy come back from an Achilles injury. If it had been a month ago when we were starting to really salivate over him just running up and down, then maybe, yeah, you would be a little bit surprised. But from this point onwards, it's essentially just all about how Kevin Durant pulls up from any of these basketball sessions, how he gets that conditioning in, how he gets back to basketball shape. Because if he has just a smooth process and he doesn't pull up sore, you know, there's no, you know, uh, any sort of soreness in his calves, any soreness in, you know, his ankles and, and all the sort of areas around that affect the Achilles area, then, you know, Nick, you might be right. We might see Kevin Durant in the black and white this season. And like we mentioned on our previous show, Nets Daily reported that if we're seeing it, it doesn't mean it's the first time it's happened. So KD's yep. could have been doing this for, you know, a couple of weeks now and we're just seeing it. And like you mentioned, Jack, I think recovery wise i would assume the achilles is almost fully healed in the extent that it's you know like repaired and now it's like this next month is like getting back to being an elite basketball player and like you mentioned how is the achilles reacting is it you know positive is it negative is it you know day to day there's probably going to be some inconsistency but it's a really positive sign i think there's a possibility and i think a lot of it too you know katie's going to want to play i think if katie's oh, yeah. ready he's going to want to play for sure i think from the nets perspective they might kind of tell him to calm down if the season isn't going great or the momentum's down or something like that but it's really hard to tell because you know if the nets win this game against toronto they go in the also break with some nice momentum Carousel Vert's playing good basketball. Spencer Dinwiddie's playing well. Then you get Kyrie Irving back. And now all of a sudden, like, the team is looking different and the vibes are different. And then all of a sudden, you're at a KD. You just continue to build that momentum going to the postseason. Not saying the Nets are going to make a finals run, but it's just giving some different type of energy to the Brooklyn Nets organization and even just giving a taste of next season. So quite which Kleinman, close confidant and business manager of Kevin Durant, TikTok Nick. TikTok, I like that. That, that is yeah. definitely did you not something. See it? No, I did not. No. Yeah, he he commented on the the video that was posted on Instagram, and he he literally commented him personally TikTok. So uh, I love the I love the cryptic messages, the cryptic videos, the, the cryptic comments. You know, we got a few from Joel Embiid tonight. Maybe the Nets will trade for Joel Embiid. Who knows? <laughs> I thought it was interesting too. People mentioned like if KD doesn't play with the Nets this year, there's a good chance he'll probably suit up for Team USA. Yeah, and I mean, if you want any better lead into an NBA season, you know, normally, you know, Bill Simmons is a big advocate for it. That Team USA gives you that great experience. I know Joe, Joe Harris has been playing some great basketball. Obviously, he has been up and down, but, you know, the Boston Celtics, you know, they've gained an incredible amount of chemistry for them. So it'll be fascinating to see Kevin Durant. And, you know, it'd be nice to see him in a Brooklyn Nets uniform before he does suit up for, for your Team USA, Nick. And hopefully we might see Ben Simmons and, and the Aussie boys give him a run for their money. But uh, that's probably in a, another episode for another day. But Kevin Durant, uh, we'll be watching. And we'll Ooh. be watching very closely. TikTok, Nick, TikTok. What, what are your thoughts? Has it changed, Jack, like in terms of thinking he's going to be back this year? I know you were a little bit lower in terms of percentages than me what are you thinking now 
Oh, look, I was the person who said that he was going to the New York Knicks next. So I'm <laughs> definitely always incredibly far off with my takes when it comes to this. So if you're looking for an opinion on to, to look for, you'll probably be look look inward when it comes to that matter. And the <laughs> listeners the listeners will probably be listening to to Nick, Nick Knock rather than uh, Jack Knock. <laughs> in that sort of regard. But I'm a little bit more confident, Nick. I, I don't think you can't not be after watching that video and the specific moves that he did, you know, complete. But for me, it is about the behind the scenes, the things that we don't know. You know, he will no doubt be experiencing some soreness after some of these sessions. It's about the extremity of the soreness. Where is the soreness occurring? How how quickly is he able to recover? Is Does the soreness lessen, you know, is it more like, you know, he can't really do those sort of sessions every sort of second day and it's every third day. I want to know the specific timelines, the progress, but for me, I'll take any details as will any Nets fan and any basketball fan. The basketball world is going to salivate over the return of Kevin Durant, one of the best basketballers in the, the recent era. So, I mean, I'm more confident, Nick, but uh, you ain't changing my percentages yet, big boy. <laughs> and I think another concern is this is pretty common, especially when you suffer any type of major injury to a lower leg extremity, whatever it may be is there's a possibility for injuries with the other leg because you tend to overcompensate. So I think that's something they're going to keep an eye on because it's probably unlikely that he'll re-injure that Achilles. It'll just probably be tight or something along the lines of when he's back playing. It's just like you want to be concerned about that other leg because if I'm not mistaken, DeMarcus Cousins tore his, Achilles, uh, tore his Achilles and then he came back and then he ended up tearing his ACL on his other leg. Yeah, I saw and I've seen some photos of you know, Kevin Durant, some real close-up photos of the the two legs. And obviously, Kevin Durant doesn't have a lot of muscle to begin with anyway. But you see the the calf on on his left calf compared to his right calf or the right to his left. I can't remember which one it is specifically. But the, the muscle mass in comparison is pretty striking. So I think it is about, obviously, it's not going to be the same as it once was. But you can still have a semblance of strength. And you don't want for him to be compensating and, and creating injuries like what happened in Golden State. Even subconsciously. The Achilles injury happened because of the fact that he was compensating in some form or another for that calf injury. And that led to the Achilles injury. You know, obviously we're not, we've talked about that at length in, in plenty of other podcasts, but we want him to be as healthy, not just in his Achilles, but in all areas of his leg. So he doesn't create any injuries on the other side. And, you know, Jalen Brown got two bloody ankle injuries. He can barely walk anymore. So we just want Kevin Durant to be healthy in all semblance of his lower body. Yeah, and it feels like the Nets are going to be really precautious with him and just make sure he's good to go out there. But, Jack, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, suck a cable hoops. <laughs> All right, that wraps it up on a good note. Uh, find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.